join me in my new free master's class, the LinkedIn Power Profile Workshop. I'm so excited about this class because for those of you who keep saying you need to finally get your LinkedIn off the ground, now's the time to do it. I'm gonna show you exactly how to capture what you do past your title, how to find those key terms that recruiters are using right now to search for your talent in your industry. So make sure you go to the link in the show notes and register. I can't wait to see you there. It's live and you'll be able to ask me questions. Now, let's tune in to a really special podcast episode with my special guest, Ashley Green. Hey, everybody. Today is a very special episode to me. Not only do I have what I like to call one of my best friends and my family member, but she's one of Houston's top rated attorneys in family and divorce. Her name is Ashley Green and she owns her own law firm here in Houston. And she's coming up on her fifth year anniversary as having for having her own firm. So congratulations on that, Ashley, and Thank welcome. You. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for taking the invitation. Uh, she's a boss in her own right. And coming right out of law school, Ashley was fortunate enough to be able to start her own firm. So she works for no one. And that's a beautiful thing, especially being a woman of color. Today, we're going to have a very intimate and real powerful conversation. And it's kind of like a girl talk moment where we're just going to talk about relationships, planning about how we should look at money and our relationship with money and how we should plan for ourselves financially when we fall in love. Um, I do think that matters of the heart and when you mix in a little bit of business, it can get a little dangerous. Uh, a lot of people already know, and many of you already know, the Mary J. Blige divorce was really messy. We watched one of uh, R&B's most powerful uh, musicians go through a really nasty divorce, and she's not the only one. However, what made me want to have this conversation is I think that as women, we never really talk about how to plan for ourselves financially. We look at marriage as being something where we ride off into the sunset. And while we may want to think that, that's not always necessarily true. And so Ashley, let's open this conversation up. What's something that you typically see amongst highly successful women that just makes you kind of cringe when it's time for them to get married or when they have somebody move in their home and it's just been a long relationship where that person is financially dependent on them? So one of the most dangerous things, um, especially here in Texas, right? Because I'm in Texas attorney, I'm licensed here in Texas, is that we have this irky thing called common law marriage. Mm. And so I've been in a position where I've represented individuals that are claiming that there is a marriage. And I've also been in positions where people are saying, you know what? No, this is not a common law marriage. And so I've had cases where individuals have gotten married. I mean, sorry, not gotten married. They've gotten into relationships, kind of like you mentioned, mm -hmm. where, you know, they've been together five, six plus years. Okay, now it's time we want to move on to the next step. We don't want to formalize anything, but we want to move in together. Well, then they kind of get a little sloppy with it. Now when they're out, they mm -hmm. want to put on this persona. Oh, this is my wife. This is my husband. They start throwing these terms around. Um, but yet there's no, there's nothing informal written to protect them legally with a prenup or there's no actual marriage. Um, but they're throwing these terms around. So then fast forward. Now you get in a big fight. You know, you realize, you know what? I'm over him. I don't want him in my house anymore. I want him to leave. I've worked. I built this. He becomes insecure. He feeling himself and he's like, no, I'm going to stay here. Next thing you know, he's done filed for a divorce and he's putting the claim as common law marriage. Mm. And so now you have a position where you're having to fight against that. You're having to say, no, we never held ourselves out to be married. No, we never, you know, lived together. You know, we never did all the formal 
formalities that creates a common law marriage. And so a lot of times people think, well, in Texas, I get this question so much from people that call in. Oh, well, we've lived together for six plus months, so we marry now. Well, no, technically in Texas, there's no time period. You can live together with somebody for two weeks. Wow. This could be somebody that you just met, out, you know, off Tinder or something. You decide y'all going to live together now. And now right. they're claiming you two are married. And now you're spending your money to fight against something to say, look, judge, we're not married. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably one of the most scariest things that I, I feel like um, whenever I hear people come in and they're not necessarily married, but they say, hey, I want to go ahead and move in with this person. I caution them. I say, wait, let's step back. Let's talk about a cohabitation agreement. Let's talk about if you guys do decide to do this, what is that going to look like when he's out the picture or when you're out the picture? Is he going to take half of, you know, the home that you now have? Is he going to take half of your money, your bank account? Um, those are big decisions to make. Now, if you're in a position where you already, you know, are engaged and you're saying now I want to go ahead and marry this person. You're past the cohabitation agreement, but you're wanting to marry them. You need to talk about having some type of prenup. And I think it kind of gears off of what you said earlier is that women kind of lead with their heart Mm -hmm. and not with their, you know, business mind. I know him. I love him. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's not going to do this. Ashley. don't worry. It's what I always hear. And even when I'm going, having clients go through divorce, they say that. And I think as women, we just have a sense of, we want, we want only to believe that that person's going to be their best. Yeah. But the reality is divorce makes people be their worst. And, yeah. you know, it brings out the worst in people. And so having that prenup just to say, you know, hey, if I do accumulate something, this is going to be mine. We're defining what that looks like. Mm. Um, a lot of times I have, you know, conversations with women. They say, well, I don't have nothing right now. Ooh, so it doesn't yes. even matter. This comes up a lot. And it's like, yeah, but what happens when you do build that company? What happens when you do have, you know, that successful investment? What is that going to mean? Is that going to mean that you're splitting that with him, even though maybe he never supported you through it? Maybe he wanted you to be that trophy wife and housewife, but now you ventured out and you've done this and now your marriage is becoming, you know, having strengths because he doesn't like that. You have that power. And so having that prenup, I think, is the most important thing. In addition, like I said, having a cohabitation agreement as well. That's a very good point you bring up because it leads into the next question. I get a lot of clients because I advise for startups and Mm -hmm. the oil and gas industry. The oil and gas industry is something where you can drastically go from scraping by to making about 50K a month with a business with a major contract. Mm -hmm. And so I'm glad you say that because prenups are not things for people with money. You know, oftentimes we hear about prenups when we hear about athletes. Yep. Uh, the Mary J. Blige situation I brought up earlier are very wealthy people. And we say, well, you know, that's what something rich people do. But this needs to be something nine to five people do. Exactly. If you have anything to protect, you need to start having that conversation. Um, in the event that the person m- marries, right? Mm-hmm. And now you're starting to see like, ooh, my business is clearly going to take off. You're kind of seeing some things mm-hmm. about this person after you move in. You still love him, but you don't feel like you did in the beginning. Mm-hmm. At what point do you look at the legal options? There's something called a post-nup, right? Yes. Let's talk about that. So the post-nuptial agreements um, sometimes can be a little bit more difficult and challenging exactly. for attorneys to you know, have to help you with is because at that point, you've already accumulated community as, um, assets. And so we're talking about community assets, we're talking about community debts. Now we're having to go to the table, we're having to sit down, and you're having to make those hard 
conversations. You're actually, like I tell people when you're talking about a post-nup, you're actually kind of putting yourself in a position that you're already going through a divorce. Right. So what is that going to split going to look like? And you raising their senses. Exactly. <laughs> and they're probably like, wait a minute, you know, I don't want to split the house or I want to keep the house. So then it starts creating this emotional, you know, feeling of distrust maybe between you and your partner, even though really you're just trying to protect yourself in the event that this happens. And so I think that post-nuptial agreements obviously are good to have if you don't do a cohabitation agreement or if you don't do a prenup, but you have to be cautious that they can bring about maybe an actual divorce down the road. Wow. Yeah, definitely. It can pull, it can open up a door that you probably didn't want to open. Yes. And so um, leading into a post-nup, are there any other type of legal arrangements that someone should make? Even if you are a woman working your way up the corporate ladder, what what are some things that you just wish women would consider uh, as we move into starting a family with someone and getting married and putting our heart in someone else's hands, which is perfectly fine to fall mm-hmm. in love, but... When you're a boss, you own your own company. You have yes. a firm. You're responsible for other people's careers. Exactly. And so if you have to do your due diligence to honor that mm-hmm. code. But how, how does that look when you are sitting this guy down and you say, hey, let's have a conversation. How do you talk to women who are uncomfortable bringing up money? Because I have clients who don't like talking about money yeah, at all. Definitely. So how does that look and feel? So you have to kind of presented to them and one of the things that I always tell people is and this is something I have a conversation with my husband about he's super supportive always been but I always tell him and he jokes that we're best friends but we're also business partners and that's how we approach our marriage in that you know with me starting my company with me starting my law firm there was investments I had to make there were sacrifices that he had to make that I had to make but at the end of the day we have to Look at it as a business plan. It is. And so if you approach your spouse and you say, or even, you know, your fiance and you say, hey, you know what? I just want to make sure that at the end of this, if God forbid it doesn't work out, we are both able to be okay and sustain ourselves. Right. Because if you love that person and you're in a good space and you're bringing it to them, at that point, they're going to want what's best for you. They're right. going to want you to walk away and be okay. Or prove they don't have an ulterior motive. Exactly. That's their moment, right? Exactly. And so if they're at the table and they're saying, you know what, I think we should do X, Y, and Z, and they're working with you, that lets you know, one, like you said, this person's really going to be here for me and they're going to grind with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it's going to allow for you to have those difficult conversations now. Right. So that way, when you have emotionals build up, whether that's because of infidelity, whether that's mm-hmm. because of career changes, whether that's because they feel insecure, you're not dealing with all those extra emotions when you're going through the divorce because those have already been decided with your prenup. And when y'all were in a good space. Exactly. And it was done in love. Exactly. Another thing that I like to look at, um, I have a client. She came to me about six months ago, and this was an interesting conversation. I ended up giving her your phone number. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has a company, um, and let's just say she makes about $100,000 every quarter, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so she's doing pretty good. She's making hundred k a quarter. She has a staff. Um, and just let me mention, she's paying herself hundred k a quarter. Mm-hmm. So the company is doing well, millions. Yeah. And so let's look at this. Um, so her husband was down for, he signed a, a prenup, but they never really made it official. Mm-hmm. And so her question to me was, can we go off of intent? Mm-hmm. What, what does that look like? Like if you and the husband, you have records in the emails mm-hmm. him, of him saying like, Hey, I don't want this, mm-hmm. but they never got it in writing before saying mm-hmm. I do. Well, how does that stand in court? 
So that may be difficult, right? Because right. you're proving he say, she say. And that's what I always tell people. At the end of the day, the court looks at black and white. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you don't have that document, most of the time um, here in Texas, it's um, recommended um, that you have attorney look over it. They review it. But it's also notarized um, because you don't want that person to claim and say, well, I wasn't the person that signed it. Right. You get around all of those legalities that are necessary to formalize it. And so I'm dealing with a case right now where we do have a prenup that's part of it. And um, that was something that was difficult for my client to just, I guess, to disclose to me at first. I don't know if she felt embarrassed about it because she owns a really, you know, she's part, a partner of a big company. Um, and I guess she felt that disclosing that to me would have made her seem less than what she signed or she wanted, he wanted what he signed to her benefit. Um, and I have other clients right now that, you know, I'm working with that have prenups and, you know, it's fine. But it was always weird for me when she finally said that to me. It was weird for me to have that conversation with her because I said, you know, it's okay that you're, you know, a partner of this company and you're doing well. You're a, you're a boss woman. It's okay. Yeah. You shouldn't feel any kind of way. Um, but I guess she felt that her saying that she was the moneymaker, because I believe he, uh, mm. for the most part, is a stay-at-home dad. Okay. He does side, you know, side jobs. But she felt that that was her failing as a woman. Wow. And again, that's leading with your heart, not with your business mind. Right. Um, because because men don't think like that. Exactly. If he was in that position, he was a partner of a really good, you know, company. I'm sure he would have been like. I'm not embarrassed to say, here goes this prenup. She only can get what it says she can get in this prenup, and, and I need to walk away. Right, and he wouldn't carry guilt from that. No, no, but she did. And that always, you know, was a struggle with me, and it still is a struggle with me during her case, because even though we have in the prenup now where there's only certain things that he's entitled to, she still, like, even when we have conversations and negotiations, and we have, you know, media, we had a mediation already, she wanted to give him more than what was in the prenup. And my thought process to her was, would he have done the same for you? Exactly. And he wouldn't. Because, I mean, well, I shouldn't say that for sure. But based off of my experience, most of the time, they most won't. Men, that, <laughs> and that's the point of this conversation is because I feel like uh, as a businesswoman myself, I work with other businesswomen. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that we hesitate when it's time to be selfish. Mm-hmm. And let me say this. We hesitate when it's time to be unapologetic about being selfish. I have no issue with telling someone where my lines and my boundaries are Mm -hmm. because guess what men communicate what they want with us very direct yeah it's times where you can date a guy he can tell you i'm not looking for something serious Mm -hmm. i'm not trying to get married again i don't want kids and so just as easy as it is for them to maybe even propose casual sex it should be easy for you to propose what works to your best interest but why do we why do you where do you think that stems from is it because we're in the south or is it because the roles are changing in society and women don't feel comfortable taking that that front seat? What is that coming I think, from? I think it's a combination of both because even I dealt with that, you know, starting off. Uh, my husband's always been super supportive, but he comes from a very traditional family. And so with that being said, he's always said, you know, you go out here, you do what you got to do, I'm going to support you. But on the back end, you have people saying, well, why is she doing that? And yeah. why is she doing it like that? Because um, you're not a traditional Exactly. Wife, right? And so you get that. One, we're in the South. They feel like, you know, I mean, me and my husband, we're just different in and of itself. We're more like friends. I always tell people that. But the whole like, you know, we joke about, oh, you could you make his play before you make your kids play or you make his play before you make your own. 
that's not how we roll. <laughs> you know, it's like I will make your plate while I'm making my plate. We yeah. gonna again, we in 50 50. You can right. get you gonna get a rib when I get my rib. But you know, or he sometimes he'll make my plate. But yeah. it's, I'm not gonna serve you. But I feel like that kind of stems from that is that there's these traditional roles that you're supposed to serve your man. Like that's you think you about think yeah. about the song from Destiny's Child. Cater I'm catered to, to you. Exactly. And so a lot of times women think about, I need to cater to my man. I need to make sure he's okay. It's but is he making sure, are you okay? <laughs> right. You know? I so. mean, we do all of that and still get in, exactly. end up in these situations. So this is a very good point because a lot of the times uh, we do shy away from these conversations. I've heard some people even do baby numps. And mm-hmm. as crazy as this sounds, I actually know someone mm-hmm. who signed a baby numps. And uh, by because she signed something saying she would not pursue uh, any finances from him or child mm-hmm. support, in the even though it was his kid, um, and then if something when something happened between them, she had hell and high water trying to get child support. And so my question to you is because that I've heard this. This is she's not the only one. I know mm-hmm. of three women in my life that are cool with me yeah. that have done this baby prenup, and one girl did it with a guy that's an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I hear that, I kind of cringe. Yeah, because it's like, how can you alleviate somebody of a financial responsibility to a kid to build trust between you and him? Yeah. Uh, so what is that? How do you feel about those? And what, what what would you say to someone who's being faced with that? So one of the things is first, you know, my firm, our slogan is um, we make our decision or every decision is centered around uh, um, children. So with that being said, I'm a big advocate for children because children's voices are not usually heard in situations like this. But one of the most important things to remember is that in Texas, those are illegal. Um, and so a lot of times oh. they are probably using that as a manipulation, as a control tactic, um, as a way for you not to go to court because they know when you go to court, the law is a law. A lot of times people come to me and I have, ca- I had a case recently too, where the lady decided to stop the case because her and the, her boo was going to work it back out. That's neither <laughs> here nor there. I'm like, okay, you spent thousands of dollars. You want to go ahead and work it out. Cool. That's on you. You're going to sign this release though. <laughs> um, so what people fail to realize, and this is something I always have to get my clients to understand, even when I represent men, because I represent a lot of men, and I have to get them to understand this. Child support is not something that the parent is entitled to. It's an entitlement and an obligation that goes to the child, and that's Ooh. the way that the Texas Family Code looks at it. It's not something that you're entitled to, and that's why state law does not allow for you to make contractual agreements regarding child support, because you can't make that Again, with somebody against your child because Ooh. it's not for you. It's right. for them. You can't establish trust in a relationship off of saying don't yeah. pay child support. Yeah, because right. it's not going towards you. And like I have a lot of women, you know, they want to be boss women and they say, you know, I don't need his money. I don't need him. Okay. That's cool. But is your child going to need this when they start college? Is right. your child going to need this when they need a car when they get to their senior year? Put that money aside. You don't have to use that money right now. But you can't. It would be like me saying... I'm in a relationship business transaction with somebody and it's you, me, and that person. And I say, well, we, you and I off the side going to sign an agreement that you're not going to give Daniela any type of financial, you know, funds. Right. How do you make that decision? You can't do that. Right. Like, so that's why the law says you can't do that for your child because that's a whole nother person. You're trying to tell them what they're not entitled to. And you're depriving them of exactly. financial need. Exactly. That's a really good point. And so I did not know that that was illegal in the mm-hmm. state of Texas. Are there any penalties or something for people who sign those? Like if the guy gives it to the girl and she signs it, 
and they take that to court, is the judge just going to shoot it down or is it a penalty? Yeah, and I guess illegal is the improper term. I guess the proper legal term would be it's void, right? Okay, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not going to be It's like used. signing a contract with yeah. a minor. Exactly. And so the court may look at it and say that, you know, within it, it may say something like, well, you two agreed that you're going to split extracurricular, you're going to split, you know, all school Mm -hmm. expenses, or you were going to keep the child in private school and make sure that that tuition is paid and not pay child support um, to that parent. Now, the court may look at factors like that to determine, you know, the needs for the child. But again, like you said, they're likely going to just throw it out. Okay. And so moving into another sticky situation that I find that uh, people get into. So let's say you have the prenup in place, but you never really set up a will or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, What brought this up to me is, uh, for those of you who are listening, Ashton and I always talk about the reality TV shows we Mm -hmm. like, and we like Real Housewives (laughs) of Atlanta. And there was one season where when Candy was getting married to Todd, not only did she sign a prenup, which I agree with, uh, she also discussed uh, some things about her will. Mm-hmm. If she passed away, I think Todd has 60 to 30 days to get out of the home, vacate the premises, because all of her financial money in her bank account are from her prior businesses, and her home will go automatically to her daughter. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not you agree with Candy doing that, um, you know, I guess that's up in the air, but the question is, from you, from your perspective, what do you think about that, and why do you think that was such an important a moment, especially because a lot of people who watch Real Housewives of Atlanta are African American women. Yes, and yeah. so I noticed a lot of backlash towards Candy for mm-hmm. that. But would you say that that was wise for her to start setting the wheels in motion on what was to happen if she were to die? Yes, and that's something that a lot of you know, not just black women, but black people in general are like our community just doesn't get that wheels are so vitally Prince important. Aretha. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're at that point allowing any family member to collaterally come and attack your estate and is is that truly your desire and your want like for example with candy let's say that god forbid her kids you know pass away short maybe they all in a car accident i don't know um then she probably has alternatives in place Whereas if she doesn't, then you're here in Texas anyways, they're going to go down the linear tree and whoever's next in line will be able to do that. So it may be her mama. It may be Todd. It may be, we don't know. Right. And so a lot of times I tell clients, um, I, that's another question I ask them when they come in, do you have a will? What does that will look like? Now, during the divorce, if you're already filing for divorce, I, I caution people and I say, well, let's not do it right now. Because it's, it, the court may look at it negatively because you're doing it during the course of your marriage. But I've had a client just recently this year, an older lady actually, um, come in and she was adamant that she wanted a will. At that point, she never had a will. This lady was probably in her 60s, 70s. She was going through a divorce. That's what I'm saying. Divorce, that's what I tell people. Divorce doesn't discriminate. It can start young. It can start old. Um, And she never had a will. She was in her late 60s, I believe, early 70s. And she needed a will because her fear was, God forbid she died during the course of her divorce, um, her husband would have been entitled to everything. And that was not her intent. Her wow. intent was then, at this point now, to ensure that her her older sons were able to take the home and, you know, whatever she had. And so, a lot of times people think when I die, okay, you know, it doesn't matter. But no, everything that you work for is going to be then 
able to be fought by family members. And there's a lot of cases where you have probates of wills and family members from all walks of yeah. life are coming saying that they now entitled to something yeah. because somebody just didn't write on a piece of paper what their intent was. So it's almost an act of selfishness. Yeah, it is. It, it is. is. Because you create turmoil within your family for no reason, really, mm-hmm. if you would have just, instead of you just verbalizing and saying, this is what I want to happen, no, you put it in black and white. You give your family members a copy and say, this person's going to get 10000 this person's going to get 5000 and the rest goes to John Doe. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it allows for the families to grieve in a more stress-free way. Right. Yeah, definitely. And it doesn't open room for somebody to think they're getting ready to strike it rich. Exactly. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, people think that. And I've also heard instances where when you don't have a will in place, if the family keeps fighting against it, it's almost pointless. Oh, yeah. it could take years or it can actually drain the estate financial. Oh, definitely. There's cases. So I, I mostly do simple estate planning, but within our um, office – we office share with another attorney, um, John ben, B. Henry III, who I love. He's a great attorney. He does um, most of the probate estates and guardianships. And he works on a lot of cases that do deal with the family fighting. And a lot of times, you know, he may walk out of the case and he has to tell his clients, look, you going to maybe get $1,000 because y'all been fighting five, six, seven years. And now all these attorneys have gotten this money so you know you're running up the bill and you know by the time you look up each attorney there may be three four five attorneys mm. each attorney may now be getting 20 30 thousand 40 thousand 50 thousand um and you walking away each family member may be getting a few hundred dollars and is it worth it it's not so you don't want to put your family through that and like i tell people a lot of times when they say well i'm too young to have a will or i don't want a will it's like but you don't like you said earlier you don't know what you may reap in your next season that's right so you have to be prepared and have your family prepared and so when we talk about women and not planning and this is a very good topic the will i think we need to dedicate one whole uh, mm-hmm. segment to that when you talk about women who earn more i know that for me i've worked in oil and gas since i was an intern 15 years old mm-hmm. at floor daniel um i've always been around high income earning other people and yeah. in that field and I remember breaking into six figures when I was just 22 years old. Yeah. And so with that kind of income for the ladies who are listening, if you have a tendency to date and you notice that it's a trend that you're always making a little bit more, I'm not saying that you need to change that, but you are to me operating in a little bit of a, I guess you could say red flag zone yeah. because I, I believe that people can fall in love. I don't think that money is everything, but I do think you can start to put a target on your back mm-hmm. or you can start to entertain a relationship with someone who may not be used to that kind of money, right? Yeah. And so here's a conversation that's a very interesting conversation I want to get into. Mm-hmm. Join us next week so that we can wrap up this conversation. This is a powerful conversation and I'm super excited to release the rest of this podcast episode. I can't wait to engage with you guys. All of the links to Ashley and my master's class will be in the notes. God bless.